There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. We're very excited about our guest. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. I'm Dave from Dirty Projectors. Dave, thanks for being here. It's very exciting. Thanks for having me. So what we're going to do today is we're going to break down your track, I Feel Energy, off of your new album, Lamplit Prose. It is, in short, extremely energetic. Yes. It's extremely fun. And what I want to do is I want to look at what are the ingredients that make someone feel energy through music? Because you do it really well on this song. The Thanks. second half we're going to look at is this Dirty Projector song, which might be known for being angular or indie or out there. Actually, a pop song in disguise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, wow. That was, that was cool. I, know, I didn't know which it was going to be. <laughs> so to kick things off, we should listen to the song because we want to get it in our ears. Are we fundamentally alone in the universe? What would it possibly mean if we found in each other? Yeah, this is like a what I think of as an alarm clock song. Like, <laughs> like oh. you know, if you have a clock radio and you can program it to play a certain song when you wake up, this is like something that will get you out of bed. All through high school, I listened to James Brown's Get Up Off of That Thing in the morning. <laughs> but this would be like a good substitute, I think. That's uh, awesome. Div, I want to get into what the ingredients are of the ecstatic energy that is being created here. But before we do, would you share a bit about where the song came from? It's one of those songs that's just sort of coalesced. Less of a decisive moment of like, um, oh, great, here's the verse. <laughs> it was more like a collection of things that came together. So it was sort of collaged from different snippets of melody and harmony yeah totally interesting totally yeah the bridge is probably the first part and just that kind of like crazy chord progression which i didn't really like realize at first was a bridge i was like oh in that it sort of feels sort of like wandering and vaguely modulatory this would be a good bridge and then how long-winded the bridge was made me want to do something super static hmm. in the rest of the song I think oftentimes, like, left to my own devices, I, for whatever, I don't know why this is, but I won't do the thing of just, like, four chords and, like, finding different ways of approaching that. You know, I like to write these 
melodies that are harmonized differently yeah. over the course of a whatever 16 mm-hmm. bar phrase or whatever so the cha- it felt like a cool challenge here to be like all right like what if it's just four chords mm. and I, could, I guess it's actually six chords <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically you know sure so for me, the first ingredient that really stuck out was the rhythm, because mm-hmm. you open the song with this utterly confusing and exciting and overjoyed drum. Yeah, that. Okay. That was eerily accurate. So what I wanted to do, this thing totally beguiled me. I couldn't figure out what you were doing when I listened to this. When I heard the hook, I was like, hook works. I'm having fun. I'm listening. I'm dancing. I got energy. But then when I like really zoomed in and listened closely to what was going on, I got more confused, which is kind of an amazing. That's cool. Like it's an amazing thing. Like on first listen, it's great. On second listen, what? And so I spent a bunch of time trying to figure out what is it that makes this hook of the 808 bass line mm. so compelling what i wanted to do was listen to this rhythm and i want to mm. sort of deconstruct it into its individual parts and see how that what was going on through your wild mind to put this <laughs> thing together so let's listen to the sequence from the opening of the track i do love that <laughs> That one, like drums were my first instrument mm. and just practicing things like doing the classic practicing that like over and over again. Oh, like a, like a paradiddle almost? Like, just like the fill, you yeah. know, the two, the two rack toms and the four. Around the horn. Yeah, yeah around the horn, exactly. <laughs> and so I meant that to be kind of like a just like a joke on on that whole idea like just as a funny way to start but then yeah mixing like a triplet thing into it yeah and you've got people talking in the background it kind of has this live field fun right there but i want to i want to zoom in on the part immediately after the fill so let's Mm -hmm. just just listen to this one more time yep 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 So the first thing I caught was that, well, I had to take this and I had to reduce it down to let's just like, just get the bass. And so you've got, you're using a, an 808 here of some kind. Sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And so we took the 808, we isolated it. And the first thing that I picked up on here was that there seemed to be, I heard an initial motif that gets reused. I think there's times when you sort of reduce this riff down to just sort of elemental parts of it and other parts where you extend it and make it bigger and it goes on and on and on in mm. unpredictable ways. Yeah. But the thing that sort of felt like the nugget, the motif was just the the introduction part. Yeah. Just that, right? Like, oh, yeah. and, and so I think like a, a lot of pop producers could take that and go, but dum bum bum and just keep doing it and you got a, you got a good loop and that would have been a fun song mm-hmm. it seemed like this was not sufficient for you <laughs> maybe not yeah well okay actually the first uh layer of the rhythm that yeah. i made was the bottles the oh yeah, yeah. and there's a little bit of a backstory there which oh, is yeah. that when i was mixing the self-titled record Mm-hmm. From uh, 2017 with uh, Jimmy Douglas. There was a song on that record. Wait, how am I blanking what song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Up in Hudson yeah. uh, from uh, the self-titled yeah. record. Yeah. Um, and we were mixing it. 
And like, br- I felt so bad for him bringing that album to him <laughs> yeah. because it was this thing of like, I've been working on this for months. It's 115 <laughs> tracks, mix it, you know? And so he spent a lot of time just sort of going through, figuring out what, what various subgroups were and yeah. tracks were. And I remember as we were doing that with Up in Hudson, he soloed out this bottle pattern hmm. that was actually played by Mauro Rafosco, who's like an amazing, oh, cool. my, my favorite. 4 in the Dark, yeah. Yeah? Oh, wow, you're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've played with, with Mauro. Yeah, we can, we can get into that later, but he's amazing. <laughs> Mauro yeah. is incredible. But anyway, so uh, Jimmy soloed this out, and he was just listening to this. Hmm. And in the most amazing way, Jimmy, I think, was sort of skeptical of some of the more, like, deconstructing impulses that, mm. uh, that I had on that album. And so, I don't know, something he said about the bottles just um, stuck in my mind where he was like, that feels so good. He was just mm. like, somebody's going to sample that <laughs> and make a song out of that. Just so you sampled group out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> a couple months later, I was, like, sitting in the studio. I was like, I'm going to take the bottles. And so I had that, and... Um, and yeah, so I was just playing around with like 808s. Maybe I was actually trying to reclaim the the deconstruction because I yeah I liked that just four five one yeah. and then I was like, you know, I just wanted to keep on go and make something I don't know that felt like that you could ride in, mm-hmm. but you were also just like, wait, what exactly? You know, like, yeah. where it, it came back around at a point where you're like, oh. Yeah. And then, you know, it allowed you to move in a different way than yeah. just something a little more like normative, maybe would. Right. As we're talking about it, I was not thinking about this. And in ge- you know, you know how it is in general, you're not like yeah. thinking about like these things. But well, yeah, we actually we had a listener who wanted to specifically ask you how much are you thinking about like theory and composition versus not intuition? A, not, a, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what key a lot of my songs are <laughs> in it which is funny when we're rehearsing it. <laughs> Kristen will be like is this in B flat well, like, I thought it was yeah, in, sure <laughs> but it was in G and then, um, but I think I had read the uh, Philip Glass memoir hmm, um, cool. music words without music sure, mm-hmm. yeah and he was talking about like mixing his like you know like Nadia Boulanger training with the transcription that he was doing for Ravi Shankar. Mm. And he was talking about these different approaches to rhythm mm. and the Indian music approach of like additive rhythm, mm-hmm. where you're taking these like sort of rhythmic cells right. and just, uh, you know, stringing them together. That's kind of what happened here. Ah, okay. So, you know? and so you basically, you, you had this funky little bottle rhythm, you yeah. needed some 808s, and you're putting a sort of, inspired Indian rhythm over these eight, uh, with the 808. Again, okay. wasn't thinking of it that way, but yeah, maybe I just felt like where the one is and where, you know, the, the rhythmic integrity of the, uh, of the bottles is so abundant mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to destabilize it a little bit with the 808 felt like... Uh, yeah, because it's coming in on all sorts of strange places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, want, I wanted to just, for listeners to help them understand what's going on here, I wanted to walk through sort of each piece of this rhythm. It, it took me doing so to like finally get my head around it. Okay. And, and, and in some ways, like the song is, is great because I couldn't get my head around mm-hmm. it, right? It's almost like it just demands you to dance around it and sort of find your place and then come back and i like that it does that but i'm infinitely analytical and i had to understand what was going <laughs> on break it so, down Jack. so just going back to break that to the riff one more time so it's in our ear
beautiful. And this is not Thanks. the only, this is not the only, it's not a loop that goes through the song. It goes through all sorts of permutations. It changes, but I found this rhythm to be the motif. So you give us that the first time. Yep, yep. The next time, you kind of extrapolate on it. You go high this time. You give us an extra little, a little zhuzh yeah. right there. <laughs> a little zhuzh. <laughs> and then you take this and you use a tool called rhythmic displacement, where you take the same idea, but you place it on different rhythms within the bar. Mm. So the that thing, we're going to hear multiple times coming in in different places. Surprising. And just to throw us off a little bit at the very end, you kind of go back to the main motif, but <laughs> it jumps in in a place you don't expect. Right. So if we listen to the original, the motif, and we listen to the ending, you surprise us. Things jump in just a little quicker. And, oh, God. And it throws you off your feet. <laughs> and then, so we can put those all, all back together and we can hear them in context again. I can't sing it back for you because <laughs> I don't. I just I don't have that rhythm. Um, but one of the things that amazes me is you then take this and it just goes through so many different permutations. So that I'm, my ear is always surprised. And this is why I think the rhythm is just an essential part of the the ingredients for energy. Mm. Is I think ecstaticism comes from this overjoyed sense, but with unpredictability. And there's so much unpredictability in how you manage this riff. And so later on, I think when we get perhaps later into the verse, you bring it back, but not only do you have this rhythmic displacement where you take that motif and you sort of move it around the bar, you actually start to introduce some new notes using sequ- like basically melodic sequences where it's a similar sort of thing, but you're changing it. So here is what we hear later on in the verse. It's madman. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's always familiar but never quite the same. Is that the idea? That's what I'm catching. Cool. What's going on in your mind? Is this? It seems like this is a big part of the intent as you're going into the the song. Yeah. Or the intuition. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a flow, you know. I mean, mm. you have the approximate feeling of it, even if you can't quite sing it. Because underneath there is kind of that core, but a dum bum bum. Like it's in there, but it's yeah. always moving around, and it's mm-hmm. never just exactly where you think it's going to be mm-hmm. until you come back around. And then, you know, at the end of that section, maybe in the next section, you get you're back on the beat, <laughs> or you expect it to be. Yeah. Just the specific feel of where those land in a kind of like grid of four. If you're internalizing that, I just like there's yeah. momentum there. There's there's yeah. uh to me, it was just, it, it's, le- it's less about, I mean, you know, I love to break things down and think about how they work, why they were in sure. and, and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was just sort of like this, this moves, yeah. you know? And what people don't get to see is your extraordinary dancing. As yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for those listening at home, it's like kind of like funky head bobbing, but with sort of a quizzical expression. It's like, this is making oh, no. me move, but I don't know why. <laughs> So I had some other ingredients that for me was really bringing out the energy of the track. And an obvious place where a lot of people start is in lyric. And I think there's um, an almost seemingly contradictory thing happening with the lyric, which is that in the verses, it's pretty down, mm, um, mm, right? Mm. So, And of course, the chorus is extremely up. Yeah. And for me, the clash of these two, not only is it sort of, for me, the central message that I get from the song, 
but the contrast is what makes the highs feel so much higher. So what I want to do is just play for folks the second verse where it's pretty clear we're in a low spot. Sometimes I get so depressed and I just can't move. Don't cry. Don't make you feel like you're dead. And it's never gonna improve. But then I wish when I was blue that I could sing with that much joy. <laughs> there's this really fun, like there's this clashing of, of how you're singing and what you're saying. Hmm. And when we finally get to the chorus... Well, it's just overjoyed, right? I feel energy. Could this be just a dream? Yeah. I'm curious what, <laughs> what I'm actually mostly curious what is on your grin right now? <laughs> uh no, it's just something cuz I went yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you and then your voice went like yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about just like the way pitch can get locked mm. into a grid. You almost get just a of spoken. Our, yeah, yeah, it's the musicality yeah. of our own voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Well, it makes the energy that much sweeter, right? That's like the payoff that you get. Without feeling the lows, the highs don't hit as hard or something. Yeah, maybe there's yeah. an element of like kind of mania to the song mm. in that way. You don't, you don't have the mm. highs without the lows. Mm. The contrast is, uh, I think, further enhanced in the harmony. And when we listen to the horn line, this is the the other piece for me, which is just an absolute essential ingredient for energy. And of course, horns are going to bring energy. Mm -hmm. But you bring in horns in a way which are kind of jarring. So as, mm -hmm. just as we have in the, in the lyrics, we have this sort of tension between dark and light. We have that happening in the horns as well because they come yeah. in. Yeah. You know, actually, before, yeah. it, but let's just talk a little bit more about the high, the highs and the lows. Yeah. Talk about if it, you yeah. Want, if let's you want to. To me, there was something that felt, you know, not overtly, but maybe a little bit topical in finally writing the lyrics to the song, mm. which were kind of the mm. last element, mm. which is just sort of like against the backdrop of, you know, the encroaching fascism and, and everything. Yeah. And just mm. like so much. Um, yeah bad news and you know disheartening sure. stuff out there and just sort of like the the and maybe actually maybe we'll wind up there i'm not I'm, yeah i think you have a program for how we're <laughs> where we're gonna go <laughs> we can go anywhere but but just this idea yeah. of like how do you respond to that yeah. do you let it just take you out and yeah. and you just curl up in a yeah. fetal position I, I, on i've the done floor? a lot of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or can it be some sort of uh imperative to action to movement yeah. is there a way to come together and to respond collectively and, and articulating like joyfully like mm what we stand for, what we believe yeah. in, you know, so. I really believe deeply in a politics of joy, which is that if you're not fighting for the joy that you want to exist in the world and you're only coming from anger, then kind of what you're fighting for is anger. Yeah. And anger is, has an important role in exciting people and getting out in the streets and, and moving people. But if underlying it isn't joy, you're missing something essential. 
And it really speaks to me because Nate and I actually, I think out of that, I had been curled up on the, the sofa plenty over the last yeah. couple of years <laughs> of the yeah. rise of authoritarianism. And, yeah. and Nate and I felt it was really important to go get out the vote. So we were actually driving around in, in Southern California listening to this track uh, as, as we were uh, knocking on yeah. people's doors They're and encouraging them to... Canvassing uh, soundtrack. Yeah. And it worked. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it fulfills its, uh, its message. That's fucking, that's awesome. Wow, that's so cool. Right. But maybe, again, because it acknowledges that pain and depression and darkness, too. Like, it would yeah. be perhaps artificial to just have mm. the highs, you know? Mm. Yeah. I remember I was, like, playing a rough version of the song for uh, Laura Lee Rodriguez, Empress of... When oh, it cool. was maybe yeah. like half done or so. And some of the words were different. It was just sort of a scratch vocal. But the second verse line about like sometimes it gets so depressed was yeah. in there. And she was like, that right there, that's like really important to the song. Huh. And uh, her saying that, I was kind of, oh, yeah, you're, you're right. That's a yeah. great, that's a great call. And that was a little bit of a key to unlocking, yeah, like what the story was in the, in the words. Part of the songwriter is to to pen things that would maybe feel uncomfortable to say aloud. But when we sing them, all of a sudden we have permission to get into the depths of what we're really feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a believer in that. I appreciate you putting that in there. <laughs> Let's talk about harmony. Let's talk about these horns already. <laughs> Let's talk about some horns. Uh, Sounds good. I just love the horns. But awesome. the thing that stuck out to me about these yeah. horns is that you bring these horns in literally in a minor way. You have this little minor uh, ascending sequence that they play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they end on the major. It's sort of embodied within just this tiny little moment when the horns enter into the chorus. We have the same movement of depressed into energy in condensed down into a musical line. And I think that's wonderful. Wow. You mean just that like da 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 that exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Because it starts what's, what scale you're in the dun dun so you, is that a flat two? It's, it's like, like flat six five okay one flat seven one flat seven and then natural six five at least on the top harmony in the trumpet. Right? So it starts so it's literally starting on the flat six which is borrowed from the minor scale and then by the you know the crest of that line it's like i love that reached I see, up to the the major six this is really helpful for me <laughs> i str- i struggled with that because i was like yeah. wait why is that one like that but the other one's like that <laughs> and i and I, I was sort of yeah. like is it sometimes you get you, you like you know you're just making an idea sure. and you're like sure. oh like, oh yeah oh there's supposed to be an apostrophe there mm-hmm. yeah or whatever and that was one where i was sort of like should it be that dissonant Yes. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I was like, it ha- I don't know why, yeah. but it has to be. Yeah. And the way you're out com- right. making a, making a, like telling a story, that, that's awesome, man. That's, <laughs> thank you. Wow. Yeah. My, yeah. Minor to major, dissonance to consonance. That's why that moment is, or part of the reason it's so cathartic. And then the, and then the bottles come in and then it's like. <laughs> and we're back up. We yeah. got energy. It's energy. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Great. That's cool. Uh, um, so we've got ingredients of energy coming from rhythm, from lyric, from harmony. Are there any other elements for you that stood out that are bringing the energy here? I mean, just Amber Mark's voice. Yes. It's insane. And it's so, it has so much yeah energy and power in it. Yeah. We're going to save that for the second half because okay. it's so fantastic and we're going to dig into it. So maybe what we'll do is we'll take a quick break here. When mm-hmm. we come back, we're going to ask the question of whether or not this is a pop song in disguise. And we're going to figure out why it is. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. So for a lot of listeners of Switch on Pop who may have more of their listening on the top 40 charts, dirty projectors may be uh, dissonant and angular and a little, a little Difficult, different. Difficult, than- unpleasant, <laughs> uh, off-putting, alienating, <laughs> abstruse, recondite, uh, to be able to, we can pick more up later. Yeah. All the things that I love about the dirty projectors. <laughs> All right. But one of the things... I noticed when I was listening to this track is that it actually felt like there was a lot of corollary things happening in top 40 pop music Mm. that uh, for folks who may not know your music Mm. or for whom they are sort of more accustomed to just like straightforward pop music, I thought it would be a great sort of like gateway drug into this track. And so we're going to do a segment we're going to call Across the Charts. And we're going to listen to a couple of the things that I'm hearing that have a lot of resonance just with in terms of message, sound, other things. By no means are we saying they're copying, borrowing, or even mm. related. But it's just things that I'm hearing and they're exciting. So what I want to do is I want to play you some tracks that we're hearing in the top 40. Things are something in the top 10. And oh. I want to see if there are points of resonance. And if there aren't, you're like, you're totally wrong. That's fun, too. (laughs) (laughs) So the first track I want to play for you is called Happier by Marshmallow and Bastille. Oh, yeah. Then only for a minute I want to change my mind Cause this just don't feel right to me I want to raise your spirits I want to see you smile I like that. Gentlemen, what are you hearing? Any any dirty projectors <sighs> relationships? What do you think? The first time I've heard this song yeah. before, I heard yeah. it in an Uber a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And to me, the close relationship, we didn't hear the ver- the the verse in when we listened just now, but the close relationship of the the movement of the the verse melody and the words, yeah. It felt like very like it felt like good storytelling yeah and i and i and i like responded to it you know the production is maybe not what i would like to (laughs) to always live in or something but i was like as a as a 
like when you're writing a melody and then you're writing words and everything, oftentimes they're it's hard to find the lyric that exactly matches the grammar of the of the mm, melody or whatever. Mm. And with this specific song, I was like, damn, like they're they're, they're really entwined. Yeah. Part of what Bastille does well in the vocal is uh, a shifting from a straight feel to a triplet feel, and it happens so seamlessly, but it also introduces i think a little bit of unease in the lyric because so the thing that i'm hearing is that i think there's some some lyrical um connections th- that basically here we have a song that um is called happier mm-hmm. but it's about a breakup yeah and you know you're, you're not writing a breakup song but i like this idea that we can take the lows in our life and find a way out of them and so bestial singing about you know I, I want you to be happier so i gotta break up with you and just as they're sort of moving from the pre-chorus into the the drop we get this you know with this big sort of euro hook that <laughs> down down you know that kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what a great way to overcome pain so there's just some, some lyrical connection okay well, i want to move on to the next track <laughs> wait no, what, no, no. do you say something about triplets in there yeah in the verse we didn't hear it there yeah. he's like on that migos flow the versace oh interesting when the morning comes and we see what we've become in the cold light of day we're a flame in the wind not the fire that we begun which is interesting yeah, yeah in the context of marshmallow but then also in the context of bastille yeah um, you know, I also I just want to take. The, I I have to say that I you I, I used to use um, your music in my music theory classes, Dave, to illustrate simple meter versus compound meter. Oh, really? I used Temecula Sunrise because it goes from like a division of the beat in groups of three. You know, da 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 da. It's like one two three one two three one two three one two. Then it switches like one and two. And one and two. So the <laughs> so the beat stays the same, but the division changes, right? Uh, one, yeah. two, three, one, two, three, one, and two, and one, two, three, one, two, three, one, and two, and so the first is compound and the second is simple. And when you're working with, you know, freshman music students, it's like a really great way to get into that idea. <laughs> That's anyway, funny. sorry, that was not related to anything. I just thought well, of it. it. But it's, it is happening in, in the Bastille track. There's, there's so much productive tension yeah. between a triple feel and a, and a double feel. And I was like coming back on a plane from, we did a live from here. Oh, yeah. That, um, oh, that's such a fun show. It was it, Ely, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was so fun. And then like everybody was flying back to LA. And I was in a conversation with a couple of the guys in the live from here band. Um, and so talented. Yeah, they're insane. It's like, yeah, I mean, they're they're it, like that was really really fun. It was really inspiring to be a part of. But they, you know, we were kind of talking, and people were like, "Oh yeah, like I think trap is done." You know, I think that uh-huh. it's going to be opening up into some more like creative things. And I had to be like, "What are you guys talking about?" Like, tra- <laughs> like the way that trap like gives emotional uh, and formal meaning to these new subdivisions mm. of of uh, the 16th note and like uh, this new variation between like triplets and uh, eighths and 16ths, like that's forever. Yeah. That's like a new vocabulary. Yeah. And like maybe the production will change, but those are like amazing tools. It's here to stay. Yeah. So, so maybe that's a great segue into the next track because I'm hearing some of those the, the, the way in which you're playing with the rhythm and some of the sounds that you're using, I'm hearing elsewhere with things that might be more mm, uh, directly derivative or, or drawing from a trap aesthetic. So this is LMI's trip. I think that I'm done tripping, I'm tripping. 
So Dave, I want to ask you just for, especially for folks who might be not as familiar with, with sort of the subdivisions of sounds and, and rhythms that you were mentioning, could you just describe what you're hearing in that song, which are pulling from a trap aesthetic and the, the sort of new, new vocabulary that's available to us? I mean, maybe just in the hat, you know, in the hats. Yeah, the high hats. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the way, the way that they're moving, you know, that the whole kind of elastic quality of you know switching between something that's like straight yeah would you be so bold as to try a beatbox of like a straight trap? definitely not definitely not. <laughs> then we've got nate sloan professor what's a can oh, you man, give me a straight hi hat <laughs> borderline abusive uh um, you want me to do a, a straight hi-hat? Like, straight hi hat yeah so straight hi hat yeah so like just like yeah, yeah. how do you do a hi hat great there you go so there you go you got are you satisfied i'm satisfied now, what would a trap artist do with that? So okay. What do you think, Dave? Or we could just listen to the song. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was that was terrible. So, okay. I'm sorry. What stood out for me in this track was yeah. her, her vocal. And mm. I'm hearing um I really like the way in which there is this movement between staccato and legato singing mm. and where she's sort of jumping in on rhythms where you're just not exactly sure where she's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hearing that? I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know boot up and I know this one. Those are the only two LMI yeah, songs, yeah. but they're both so solid. I want, I want to, I want to go deeper on her album. Mm. I think the first thing that sticks out to me is actually the, the, the traditional character of it, how it feels like, um, the melodies and the way it's harmonized feels like SWV or like mm. um, Groove Theory or something. Yeah. Her voice has that 90s R&B quality. Mm. And then the, those kind of like block harmonies, that the three-part block harmonies that she throws the the hooks on in both Boot Up and, and this one mm. are so cool. They just sound so good. Mm. I think in Boot Up, we even get more of her fantastic rhythmic flexibility. Boot Up has this almost sort of onomatopoeia sort of feel to it mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. both it's both like but up um and oh right it's the sound of getting together and it kind of like flows together it's very scat-ish uh and she uses it over and over like is it scatting or is she saying we are booed up you never quite find which one it is and that being in between matches the sort of insecurity of the trap hi-hat it's like it's it could kind of end up anywhere you never quite know and it's exciting mm. Nate, do you have anything you would like to share about LMI? Uh, I, I guess I'm just thinking, you know, about productive tension and this, how the, the trap drums are doing this, like, complex rhythmic thing. But then on top of that, like Dave was saying, her voice is, is so conversational and, yeah, it just feels, like, eminently natural. So maybe that's, like, the productive tension of that song, you know, that yeah. the, the drums are, are very jittery and, and unsettled, but her vocals are just, like, so, kind of serene and, and that goes together really well yeah it's like a timeless song timeless melody and then the certainly the like the rhythmic pattern underneath it feels like very much of really, today yeah. yeah yeah instant earworm yeah it's like it's, can we hear it again yeah but i think that i'm done tripping i'm trip, tripping i've been sipping that's how i can drop this feeling the staccato 
It's a more legato. Love to hear a Dirty Projectors cover of that. <laughs> Man. Yeah. And I feel like your vocalist could hit those. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they definitely could. The Yeah. And just by the filtering that they're doing to the hats mm, or whatever, yeah. but you, yeah. it almost has like a melodic quality. Like the yeah. melodic quality of the hats is it's really, that's really cool. That's a good one. One, yeah. thing, one thing I caught just listening to that next time around was, you know, oftentimes when, when we track vocals, you might just do a line at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And then you bring them all together. Mm-hmm. But there's this one moment where she's like, I'm tripping on you. And she actually trips over her vocal. Like, I think they intentionally sort of put, mm. or you can hear her singing over herself as the next line comes in. Whether intentionally or not, it's a great effect. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I go, like, conspiracy theory. Let's do another one. Yeah, okay. Let's do another one. Moving on, moving on. That's all right. So, that's a deep read. Uh, I love so that. Last, last one for Across the Charts. I want to play yep. uh, Khalid's Better. Nothing feels better than have to fade out over my favorite part which is the talk box <laughs> oh there's a nice talk box solo at the end whoa fun. yeah whoa um what are you all hearing in this oh i'm it's making me feel very optimistic about the state of pop music right now if these you said these are all currently yeah, yeah. on the top 100 yeah that's that's rad yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. these are great tracks yeah and they've got i mean this is so this this to me is like so similar in a way to the lmi it's got that trap hi-hat sound underneath Again, like a very languorous, like beautiful vocal with with maybe also some sort of '90s throwback elements mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious, do you, but you also have a, a dirty projectors well, access for, here. For, for me, the, the access is primarily well. One, we we have a, a sort of a lyrical connection of uh, a positive, enthusiastic message that's maybe a little derivative. There's not much that's maybe uh, not the, the deepest connection. But for for me, I'm I'm hearing the 808 as a mm. great entry into oh, okay. i feel energy yeah, yeah. Mm. and i and one of the things i love about how the the kick drum slash 808 and here there's actually i think two different things happening there's both a kick and an 808 bass sub that come in together and i think that here you're getting that same sort of quality of it's not your typical it's not a rock backbeat kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. you never quite know exactly when the kick is going to hit. Mm. And that surprise is what keeps you consistently interested, even if underneath it, we're getting a, as you described, sort of this languid sort of loop, this very sort of washy feel. The thing that gives me energy in that is, mm. where is the kick going to hit? And I think if people are enjoying that trap kick sound, I think that they're going to be super into I feel energy because I think you take that and you take, you, you extend it to its logical ends uh, to the place where I'm always trying to guess where it's going to come in and I'm always trying to dance around it. So that's my Kylie better connection. I can see it. I can see down, it. downbeat agnosticism. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. Downbeat agnosticism. I'm buying. 
I feel like they're in that one, you know, to get into this, the way you're like getting conspiracy theory on, on the, <laughs> oh, uh, please come on, on the Lead LMI closer. and you're like, oh man, like, yeah, as she's tripping, her vocal is tripping. <laughs> I love that. But to me, like to ask the, uh, what the relationship is between the, the words and the character of the melody here. Mm. It feels like there's one of irony or dissonance between yeah, like nothing right. gets better than this mm. and then the sort of like equivocal character, yeah. the conflicted yeah. Char- emotional character. Yeah. That to me, I don't know, maybe I have to listen to the whole song a little bit more or something, but well, I'm sort of like, well, it does it I, doesn't I, get I better than this. I think there was a, I, so I think on first read, the song kind of looks like a relationship. And then on the second read, it's kind of like a casual hookup is the, is what the song is about. Mm, okay. And so perhaps there is that, underlying feeling of like oh maybe this thing isn't as satisfying as it seems to be as, as it's presented uh-huh, uh-huh i don't know that's a that's a really I, I do i really appreciate your your sort of fine-tuning looking at how are they saying the thing that they're saying yeah they're, it's kind of it's kind of like me being like hey nate how you doing today and you're like uh, good yeah <laughs> it has that feel or you just saying how you like if if nate just did like was Kurt to you or something. And you were yeah. like, how you doing today, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our entire relationship. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, it's like, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. <laughs> or is he being like, it doesn't get better than this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That was the read. Ooh. That was the read. Ooh. That was Hand, hands up, eyes down. That yeah. was like, that was Oscar worthy. That was great. <laughs> Okay, so I, 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 we, we've made some connections between some things that are happening in the charts. Some of it's on, some of it's off. That's fine. I'm curious, you know, y- you have a really strong, pronounced sound that when I when I hear a song by Dave, I know I listen to a song by Dave. And, and that's something that Thanks. every artist, I think, strives for. Within a few seconds, I'm like, oh, it's a Dirty Projector song. I got it. But you've also, uh, in the last couple of years, been collaborating with some major pop acts. You've collaborated with Solange. You collaborated on the song Four or Five Seconds, which was probably the biggest supergroup ever created of all time with Paul <laughs> McCartney and Kanye and Rihanna. And on your last album, you brought in a lot of electronic sort of beat-making sounds into uh, your indie rock aesthetic and sort of found a, a meeting point between the two of them. And so when I was listening to this track, I had this just realization like, this thing's a pop song. It's a pop song. And there, I wanted to look at a couple of things that for me, it stood out that this is a, a pop song in some kind of sheep's clothing. And the first <laughs> thing I noticed as I was listening to this song, I was like, I'm trying to figure out because of all of these moving rhythms and trying to find, literally sometimes find my downbeat. I was like, how is this song constructed? And then I was like, oh, it's a pop song structure. It is literally verse, pre-chorus, chorus. And, and what's amazing about pop is that one thing that is sort of indelible across contemporary pop music is that form tends to be somewhat more solid than the maybe instrumental choices that we can make. Mm-hmm. So I just want to play for folks how this really wild and exciting song does map out in a way that we have just enough predictability within its form to have something to, to work with. So let's wait, let's establish no. the platonic pop form oh, first, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. verse... Pre-chorus, chorus, verse. Usually a shorter second verse. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Maybe a double verse the first time. Kurt verse. The but no, 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 no. Yeah. Try. You're already, you're already messing it up. <laughs> okay. We gotta, uh, no, we're just doing the, the simplest version. Yeah. Verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Bridge. Bridge? Chorus. Outro. Yes. Exactly. Great. And Great. so we've got. And maybe there's a refrain after the second chorus. 
before the ah. bridge that also happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. After the, the, uh, the thank you, Dave. Perfect. Increasingly, a refrain or post chorus. Good. Yeah. Okay. So here's uh, I feel energy in its reduced form. We get a verse. We build the energy into a pre-chorus. Wow. <laughs> and of course, we get a chorus. And I love that you deliver us a down bridge. Yeah. And a string outro. <laughs> now, that's not usual, but I love it. <laughs> I had to play it. It maps onto a, huh. a normal pop form. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you're deliberately thinking about as you're constructing your song? I like form. I yeah. like form because also it's like every song is a movie, you mm. know. Mm. And uh, I like when things start somewhere and end somewhere different. Mm. And so I love the way form is a way of like thinking about those things. Um, oh, I see. Like the way, like the way movies have like a conventional three act structure, but there's like infinite variations. Yeah, on that, that arc. Maybe music is in- analogous. Okay, but, cool. But you you start and end in very different places in this song, which I'm now realizing. Do I? Yeah, you start with your. Oh right, and then you have this beautiful string quartet thing at the end. Right, very sentimental. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. The but the chords for the outro are the same chords as the bridge. Uh, oh yeah. So that's right. maybe uh, there's something there. Didn't catch that, did you, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> no. What do you think the the form that you're bringing here, how is it serving the listener? I don't know, maybe like what we were talking about earlier in terms of like responding to the stuff that that gets us down. Yeah. And, you know, navigating a response to it. What is the response? The response yeah. is action. Yeah. You're down. What, what's the way of navigating that? What's the passage toward claiming joy or whatever? Mm. I think you do a really great job of walking me through that experience. And the formalism of the form ha- gives me something to hold on to that then allows for all the experimentation of rhythm such that you've got me. I'm with you. And if you had extended that 808 it through infinite permutations for 18 minutes, unless you're Steve Rice, you're going to lose me. Yeah. Right? Like, you're moving into a different... You'd be moving into minimalist, other kinds of music. But you're, right. you're holding me. And there is the safety of the form opens up so much experimentation, I find. I, I, love, the way, I love that way of putting it. Yeah, it's like... Um you know, like a ghost story is going to have a structure. Right. right. The form allows you to do anything. Mm. And particularly when I'm getting all weird with the modal mixture and the additive rhythm and the rest of it, yeah. the, the structure that we intuitively understand what's going to be happening next allows dirty projectors to like take these other weird mm. risks, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, that makes, I mean, it, it's <laughs> to avoid the the conventional pop song form perhaps allows you to avoid what Stravinsky called the abyss of freedom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite choice is not so Okay, know. so I just have I just have yeah. a quick thought cuz yeah. I'm thinking I I I love hearing the the you know sort of emotional political backdrop of this composition, you know, and and hearing it as like a call to collective joy and collective action and is that perhaps mirrored in the the numerous you know collaborations that mark this album as well we've got amber mark on this track we've got empress of appearing on the album dear nora heim so probably some other people i'm, I'm not thinking of right now rostam and rostam yeah yeah is that part is that like was that a conscious do you, or maybe a subconscious reaction to that 
fetal position you were talking about to like reach out to other people. Yeah, and, yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. You know, yeah. Um, um, and also just sort of a response to the the previous record, which was so sort oh, of solitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I did get these record these songs to a certain point, and I was like, it wa- it wants to feel more. Uh, collective yeah. than this you mm. know it feels mm. like you know i want to be singing mm. singing with people cool well, that was the other thing that stood out for me that which that really brings us into a pop aesthetic is that you brought along amber mark who is an extraordinary rising pop star who we've had on our show as one of our absolute favorite guests oh she's been on your show yeah. i gotta check oh, that episode really fun yeah interview. yeah we we did some kendrick lamar breakdowns together yeah we like yeah to together. yeah we kind of made we kind of made her basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Um, but I just want to listen to Amber's vocal because it's yeah. really stunning. Yeah. <laughs> that drum outro <laughs> but how, how tell, tell us about um what, what is amber's vocal doing here for you how is how is it serving the song there's so much power in her in yeah. her voice you know yeah. and 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 her timbre and uh you know it, it what you can sing something and then another person can sing it it means totally different things mm. yeah and um yeah just, i just i love i love what she does on this song I was actually surprised by how well your voices blend because you both have very distinct voices and yet they came together in a really gorgeous way. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if there are um, either consciously or subconsciously through just absorption, other elements of pop songwriting mm. or, uh, and aesthetic that you bring into the Dirty Protectors. I mean, I, I would imagine so. It would be, be maybe better to talk about it like in a specific sort right. of instance. Yeah. But Let's yeah, talk about I, mean, I Feel Energy. Anything else yeah. that I'm missing? Oh, other elements in this song? This might be more the dreaded word indie <laughs> than, I know, I know. than pop in that there's like a historical investigation happening or like a historical fantasy a little bit in the song. What do you mean? Ooh. Just like the idea of like before, like when disco was still live instruments. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time on the other side of town, there was like no wave music yeah. happening. They're, like that, I feel like is maybe the kind of like the primal scene of the of the production of this song, where there's something sort of spiky and like aggressive about like you know the guitars and things. But then you know, yeah, then there's like a live disco element yeah. to like the roads and the yeah. drumming and stuff. Yeah, I get some of the like the Niles Rogers and the guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, now once you dropped the disco bomb, I <laughs> made this connection to Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up, which, like, I feel energy starts with a lot of voices in a room, kind of, you know, it's oh, like yeah. you feel like you're in a party and uses a Coke bottle percussion. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what kind of bottle you used on or, or Maro used on this track, but they were. Um, Mountain Valley. <laughs> good, good choice. Does it have a better timbre? For the, connoiss- for the connoisseur, only Mountain say. Valley will do. That's great. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. So not only now, yeah, this is great. Not only mainstream pop, but you know, yeah. pop of yours is filtering. Yeah. And I had this idea that, you know, how like it feels like a sort of like universal 
thing to make the the album or the song that's like this is the solo piano song yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) this is just the the guy and an and an acoustic guitar actually yeah you know and i felt like maybe as universal but at the other end of that was like this is like the disco song. Yeah, <laughs> this like, is it makes me think like uh, you know the the country star Casey Musgraves. Has yeah, a, has a, a disco song on her new album. Right, or <laughs> like this is the weekend, but it's like disco. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, bringing in Daft Punk. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you know you were kind of talking about it earlier, like playing with the, and this is probably all so in my head right. that it's you yeah. might not get it in the song per se but like you know if the reputation of dirty projectors is so, is like you know angular and what were some of the words uh, you're using? abstruse uh recondite <laughs> obscure uh, like what yeah. if i just made like a disco song yeah mm-hmm. you know so there was like an element of that like but could i do it in a totally just inspired weirdo way well, I, I think part of what succeeds about this track for me is, as I said at the beginning, it's like, I heard it the first time. I was like, yep, I got energy. This is fun. I want to dance. And then it also, like, it's both lean in and lean back at the same time. Because I can lean back and listen to just have fun. And as soon as I lean in, I go conspiratorial. I'm like, what the heck is happening? What's going on in your brain to pull this thing apart? Mm. So it has layers that the more you listen to it, it continues to give. And I think that's something that... Um, fans of pop music ought to spend some time with this song and listen in a little closer, zoom into parts mm. and you'll find that it just, it keeps giving back. And I think that's a really yeah. exciting cool, part man. of the, the composition. I think we maybe are have you, gone... Are you giving them homework? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Homework. Quiz next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be going over. Yeah. What beat does the third chorus vocal yeah. enter on? All right. <laughs> homework. <laughs> uh, I think we've gone way too deep. I've had a lot of fun. Not nearly enough. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is great. Thank you, Dave, for uh, uh, entertaining our absurd deconstruction. No, I, I love it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, and, and thanks for listening in this way, like, as no. closely as you are. It's it's, it's It was really fun to talk. Right thanks, on. Thanks, man. Switched on Pop is produced by me, Charlie Harding. And me, Nate Sloan. Our engineering and editing is done by Bill Lance. Our community manager is Sarah Terry and designed by Luke Harris. I want to give a special thanks to Dave Longstreth for his interview. I also want to thank uh, Jossie Adams and Zach Torino Miller, Gabe Appel and Cameron Plummer for their insights into the Dirty Projectors. You can find more episodes of our show at www.switchonpop.com or go to Radio Public, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, basically anywhere you'd like to get your podcasts. There you shall find us. You can contact us if you've got musical questions, insights, quandaries, conundrums, any, any kind of problem, really. We're here for you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Switched On Pop. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.